from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't make them like good. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. We got this is the Blitz at Six. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at Six. Lydia Cruz alongside with you. Monday, April 6th. Frank, thanks for hanging out this morning for the next hour. Cover a conference call that President Trump had with all of the major league sports commissioners and how he talked about wanting to get sports back as soon as possible but what is the actual reality of that and could this turn into a state versus federal debate also why wasn't mark emmert on that phone call included in that conversation and the ncaa could be facing a different battle than everyone else also got to see the latest nba hall of fame class pretty star-studded especially the big three including kobe bryant Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan will hear from them on uh, what that feels like, as well as Vanessa Bryant's wife on what it means to hear that Kobe's name will be will be enshrined in the hall this year. All ahead in this hour right now. Let's get to your headlines. In a conference call with Major League Sports Commissioners on Saturday, President Donald Trump said he believes the NFL season should start on time in September. He also said he hopes to have fans back in stadiums and arenas by August and September, according to the people who know about this phone call and the ESPN report, but it's unclear currently if medical experts approve of that or find that to be a realistic timeline with everything going on in our country and globally right now. Um, But later in a White House briefing, Trump said, I want fans back in arenas. I think it's whenever we're ready, as soon as we can, obviously, and the fans want to be back too. They want to see basketball and baseball and football and hockey. They want to see their sports. They want to go onto the golf courses and breathe nice, clean, beautiful, fresh air. Trump declined to give an exact date, though, when reporters asked uh, when fans might be able to return to arenas. He said, no, I can't tell you a date, but I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. He also said he told the commissioners that he recognized the good work being done by many of the teams and players to care for their communities and fan bases dealing with the outbreak. A couple of governors, though, with different comments on what they made of that. California Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, when asked whether he believed the NFL season would open in August or September with, let's say, 80,000 fans in attendance, he said, quote, I'm not anticipating that happening in this state. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said on Sunday that he'll be following the recommendations of healthcare professionals and that he'd love to see sports back uh, to help with cabin fever and everything. But it's not about hopes and dreams and aspirations and what you'd like to see. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver told those on the call with Trump that the league's Uh, were the first to shut down and that they would love to lead the way in restarting the economy once there is an all clear from public health officials. But that's important that that needs to happen. ESPN reporter Adrian Wojnarowski on the timeline for an NBA return. But there's also a level of realism uh, that is starting to sink in, that it's going to be difficult to return to play this season, that a runway for how many days they would actually have to be able to have a representative rest of the season, a few regular season games at minimum, 
and then a playoffs that would crown a legitimate champion uh, that would have a playoff structure, you know, that would be enough to have, uh, you know, someone, you know, wear that crown and do it without an asterisk. Uh, and, And there's certainly a lot of concern about whether this league will be able to return to play or not. Woj also talking about Silver won't bring the NBA back until the threat of health risk is gone. They can't do this until there is not a health risk to their fans and and more specifically their players, even bringing them back in a scenario with no fans in the building. uh, They've got a ways to go. And the idea of fans in arenas and NBA games in August, that's not something the NBA is even contemplating right now, I'm told. Ramona Shelburne also with some thoughts on that this weekend on the NBA playing this season in a quarantine location, that possibility. There's a part of me that I'm trying to wrap my head around this idea, okay? Like, what if you had a, a neutral site in the Eastern Conference and a neutral site in the Western Conference and everybody stayed at, every team stayed at a different hotel because they're all shut down anyway, okay? And you had pretty good surveillance, so that's why this Las Vegas idea is interesting. And nobody gets in or out. Everybody who's been who is a part of this tournament, and it's probably going to go on for a month or two, okay, um, has been tested. And you have to, I, you may even have to wear like a monitoring device. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, like you may have to like submit to that. It feels fairly restrictive. And yet I actually think you could create a scenario where that would be safe. Ramona Shelburne on if this could get into a state versus federal debate. We may have a, a sort of federal versus states issue here, too. Um, let's say in Texas, you know, the governor in Texas says that's fine. Cowboys can play. But uh, the governor of California says they're not playing the Niners. OK, <laughs> like, uh, you know, uh, where are they going to play then? Are you only going to be able to play in states where they say it's OK? Well, let's say the 49ers go play the Cowboys in Texas says, well, then you're not coming back into California until yep. you have a 14-day quarantine. So we have we have some issues here. How will our other sports responding to that phone call? Adam Schefter on the fate of the NFL season still being pretty unknown. The NFL's chief medical officer addressed it this week, as did the NFLPA's medical director. And nobody knows right now. There has to be a system of testing in place before we're going back into stadiums. Maybe they could develop a vaccine at some point down the line, which doesn't sound like it's going to be at some point this season. And as much as everybody wants football to be back, it's hard to imagine it being back in front of huge crowds. You heard the California governor, Gavin Newsom, come out today and say he doesn't anticipate football games being played in the state of California this season. This story changes on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, often dramatically. We don't know where it's going. It's not going in a good direction right now. And it's too early to say that there will or won't be football this season. Also, Adam Schefter with some interesting thoughts on the NFL business model and how it might be forever altered at this point. Nobody knows exactly how to handle this. And so I don't think the owners are any different. And the owners now have to be going through their minds and wondering if their business model ever holds up again. Does it hold up this year? What are the future ramifications? And I think first and foremost, you want to make sure that our country's safe, of course. That, that is the priority. But if we're talking just from a business football perspective and what the owners are thinking there, then I, I think they've got to be concerned, tremendously concerned. We don't know that there's going to be football. We hope there is. We don't know that. We don't know what form that football will take. We hope it's as it was. Hard to imagine that's the case. So we sit back and wait for answers. We wait for more widespread testing, 
for the development of a vaccine, for something that enables our world to get back on track because it's derailed medically, it's derailed financially, it's derailed economically, it's derailed in so many ways. The world has been turned upside down. At this point, we do know that, well, OTA is seeming less likely. Uh, they know a lot of people do that those will likely be canceled, according to Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL insider, saying that teams know OTAs will likely be canceled this weekend. But uh, we know as of now, the NFL draft is scheduled to proceed as as planned with, of course, the stipulation of social distancing in effect. No prospects will be in attendance, and this may all be done virtually, according to Shefty. High-ranking officials on multiple NFL teams said this weekend they're preparing as if this will be a virtual draft and they will be conducting it away from their team's training facilities. Due to federal guidelines and state mandates, the NFL says it can't have all teams in training facilities if one team can't get in there. And that seems to be the case right now with individuals preparing to be in their homes drafting The three nights of the NFL draft, the NFL draft would be unprecedented and it would be much like a fantasy football draft with individuals drafting players from their own homes. The call with President Trump and major sports commissioners and top executives included um, those from the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, Major League Soccer, WNBA, WWE, But someone who was left off that call was Mark Emmert. So no representation from the NCAA, which some people found interesting. This was Taylor Twellman reflecting on that. How do you have the NBA, WNBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, PGA, UFC, WWE, NASCAR, Major League Soccer, and you don't have Mark Emmert, the NCAA, on? Like, this is what, this is why it's so difficult for me to be optimistic for longer than five minutes because the moment I use my brain and start thinking about who's doing the advice, who's giving the advice, who's talking, what's real news, what's fake news and whatnot, you're left saying, okay, well then what's the truth? It's going to come out 10 hours later or the next day 20 hours. It's just that's why I'm struggling with it all. Coming up on the Blitz, Danny O'Neill joins the conversation. I'm going to ask him about this a phone call and the potential timeline for sports returning. Also want to ask his thoughts on this year's Basketball Hall of Fame class, including Kobe Bryant. But uh, we also did our 710 Rewind yesterday. We rewatched the Fail Mary, or as Danny calls it, the Golden Fleece game. And his thoughts, my thoughts on that. It's next on the Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Monday, April 6th. It's been hard without sports on TV, but of course, in the grand scheme of things and everything going on in the world, there are much bigger problems out there right now. But hopefully we've been able to give you a little bit of a distraction here at 710. And because there haven't been so many sports on television, we've got a little creative, I think. And Danny and Gallant coming up with this really cool idea, the 710 Rewind, to rewatch some old Seahawks games. Uh, Right now, NFL Game Pass is free for anybody that wants uh, to use it. And that's pretty fun to have at your disposal. Danny, what was the game that we were assigned to watch this week? And why did you guys pick this one? 
Well, the idea is that we go through the Russell Wilson era. And and we we actually started in the heart of darkness before <laughs> the worst game the Seahawks ever played. Maybe the worst game in NFL history where we watched it was the Seahawks at Cleveland Browns, the Charlie Whitehurst uh, massacre. That was from 2011, and it was a 6-3 to three game. Then we watched Russell Wilson's first start where they ran about seven straight plays from inside the 20 at the end but couldn't quite get in the end zone. And then we watched, uh, in my mind, the game that announced Seattle's arrival as a team to be reckoned with on, on the NFL stage, which was the Week 3 game against Green Bay, which is unfortunately only remembered for the Golden Tate catch, <laughs> interception, whatever happened in that corner of the end zone, when actually there's a lot of really impressive things that happened over the course of that game. The first half of that game was rewatching it. I just reminded like maybe the most impressive defensive performance and maybe I'm being subject to recency bias now after having watched it, but at least one of the most def- impressive defensive performances that I've seen in Pete Carroll's tenure. They were absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it's it's really unbelievable. The first half that that Seattle's defense played and then even the second half is pretty darn Im- incredible, but just watching what they're able to do it Seattle's defense was unbelievable and that was peak Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and a Packers team that had gone 15 and one the year before so it's pretty remarkable what they were able to what Seattle's defense was able to do there considering too that the offense really couldn't get anything going there and they were gassed at one point but still putting up a, a pretty valiant effort against the Packers is it too just a reminder that some these games between the Packers, I think also having watched that playoff game and that was how the, the Seahawks season ended, they always just seem to have a little extra. There's just something special about these matchups. Certainly does seem that way. It certainly seems that each time that we that, that they come together that you see something truly remarkable happen. And I think it's helped. I think it's compounded by the 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 two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I I, I think there's a little rivalry between the two of them, and I'm not sure exactly where it started. Um, but I think that Aaron Rodgers has gone out of his way a couple of different times to make sort of snide references to Russell. And and I think Russell would never admit that it bothers him, but I think he likes sticking it to Rodgers. So I I, I, I totally I, I totally enjoy that part of the rivalry. Yeah, I don't mind it either. I think walking off the field, I watched uh, Aaron Rodgers like pushes a camera guy almost too at one point was really frustrated at the end of the game and I guess understandably so because of course the catch non-catch that uh, a lot of people you mentioned on Twitter last night Danny people willing to die on that hill yes there are and it's a very fun little group of subset of Seahawks fans who are absolutely like they'll argue that Golden Tate caught the ball (laughs) and it's really funny to listen to and I don't hate it like I don't I watched that and I'm like, uh, that dude intercepted the pass. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Golden Tate's hands in there, but I mean, he, he intercepted the pass. He grabbed it with both hands. But I love the fact that there are some people and their argument is that Tate secured the ball first with one hand before Jennings grabbed it with two. That, and, and, and his hand is in there. Like Tate's hand is in there. It's just that MD Jennings has two hands around yeah. it. But, but so you could go with the, he, he corrals it first with his hand. Um, however you want to say it, Tate came out of there with the football. <laughs> it's, right? it's so funny to watch like that scrum too. And those two helpless replacement officials, they like look at each other and then one, one signals for the clock to stop. Yep. Like that's the mechanic Time's that one up. uses. And the other one just decides 
touchdown. <laughs> and you can't, you can't convince me that if that had been in Green Bay, he wouldn't have singled it incomplete. Like he wanted to hear the crowd go nuts. That's yeah. what he wanted to hear. Absolutely. I mean, we're all subject to those uh, biases, human uh, errors at times, but that game too, it will be remembered for the final call, but there were plenty of questionable calls throughout that game. And this being the last week, the last game of the replacement refs, correct? Yes. So it was, it was, it ended the ref lockout. So That's how significant the game was. And so you're expecting these to happen, but I'm sure Green Bay fans will only remember this final call, but there were plenty of other questionable ones along the way and some that favored both teams. The Well, there was a terrible pass interference call against that was against the Packers on Seattle's second yes. last drive that converted a first and 30, yeah. which was absurd. There was also a terrible pass interference call against Cam Chancellor on Jermichael Finley that extended a drive that resulted in, in the Packers' first touchdown. That no, it was their second touchdown. It was the go-ahead touchdown, and that was an absolutely terrible call. That the Packers had three first downs that were awarded by penalty on a third-down play in the second half. They couldn't do anything in the first half. They didn't get within forty-five yards of the end zone, and their drives got kept alive by officials in in the second half of that game. Um, and had Seattle not won, I would have described that as suspicious officiating. <laughs> but I mean, clearly the replacement refs—they were in over their head in most games very much in over their head in this game with the way Seattle's defense played. Like, there were just hilarious things that happened. Like, basically, Brandon Browner got to knock Greg Jennings down, sit on his chest, flex his muscles, and then have offsetting personal fouls called. Like, it was like, oh, no harm, no foul. Like, he completely punked Greg Jennings in front of everybody. And at the end, they're like, okay, well, those just just offset. Man, yeah, you know, they go a lot of other ways sometimes. So when they go your way, you don't always hate to see it, but... That game definitely won for the memory books. What else is coming up on the show today other than just the 710 Rewind? We'll also talk about the through sheer force of will that the UFC and the WWE are continuing <laughs> to have events. And we're also going to talk uh, about Jadevian Clowney and if we're buying the idea that these other teams are interested in him. The latest uh, report being that the Browns are showing some interest. Danny, thank you so much, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. Sounds good. Take care, Lydia. Danny O'Neill, listen to him every morning from 7 to 10 a.m. right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up next on The Blitz, one Mariners uh, highly touted prospect, Justice Sheffield, joining 710 to discuss this shortened season and how he's staying prepared. It's next on The Blitz right here, 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Monday, April 6th. Hopefully you were safe and sound this weekend. Dealing okay with quarantine. I played a lot of board games at this point. You find out a lot about your uh, friends and family and what kind of competitors they are. That's all I'm going to say. But recently on 710 ESPN Seattle, Justice Sheffield, one of the biggest names in the Young Mariners system took some time to chat with Bob, Dave and more about this unique situation they're in and finding ways to to deal, to train and cope in the quarantine. Get a chance to talk some baseball with a guy. I know a lot of us were really excited to see in a full season this year. And that doesn't appear that it's going to happen, at least a full season anyway. But hopefully we get a chance to see him take the hill here soon. He's with us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. He is Mariners pitcher Justice Sheffield. Justice, how are you, man? I'm good. How you guys doing? 
we're, we're good. We're all, uh, you know, locked up in our homes doing the show from our homes. So forgive us. we got a little bit of a delay going here. We'll try not to talk over you. But i, I got to ask you, I saw a picture on your uh, Instagram. It's a picture of you just kind of kneeling, smiling, and the and you wrote, I had to grind like that to shine like this. And then I saw a number of your teammates take shots at you, Marco and and uh, Taiwan Walker, J.P. Crawford, all weighing in on it. Oh, yeah. You had to know that was coming, right? Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, you know, one of those one of those days where you just come to the field and uh, you know you just get it from everybody. So, uh, but no, nah, it was uh, <laughs> it was funny because I posted a picture actually in the locker room and um, I came out of the other room and, and uh, walked in the clubhouse and you know everybody just sitting there staring at me, just just dying laughing because they had posted on my Instagram and I haven't seen it yet. So I'm sitting there just wondering what they're talking about and I get on there and it's, you know everybody just. <laughs> Weighing in on it, I don't know. Just give, give me a hard time, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, it's all done out of love, Justice, right? When you're, oh when yeah, teammates always, are, always, yeah. always. <laughs> We're, you know, big, big, happy family. That's what they say. Uh, I guess I'll be the yeah. little brother, take it from everybody at first. So. <laughs> Hey, uh, at the end of February, Justice, uh, Jared Apoto said that you, you came in looking a lot more confident this year. And tell us about how what's been different for you coming back in this year. And I know it's the uh, season's interrupted and everything, but just, uh, you know, coming back this year, where where were you more confident? How, how did you feel? Yeah, I think it was just um, just getting the reps last year, honestly, getting up there and uh, getting those star- uh, starts under my belt. And um you know, I I've been to big league camp uh, four, four, three or four times. So, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those things where I've been there and I've done it. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of one of those things where I went out there and just wanted to execute and get my work done. And, um, you know, felt felt really good out there. Justice, I'm just wondering. So last year you were you were with the major league team for a little while, and then you went down to Tacoma, and then they made the decision to send you to Arkansas. How did you deal with that personally, and and what did you learn through that adversity? Yeah, um, you know, started off in Tacoma. Um, you know, just kind of uh, got off on the wrong foot. Uh, went up to the big leagues early on, and then uh, got sent back down, and uh, just really couldn't find it. And then it started snowballing from there, and then. Uh, you know, uh, mentally started working me. Um, you know, I tried to do a little bit too much, working too hard just because, you know, the big leagues was right there and I was so close, um, you know, and that kind of played against me. But, uh, you know, once I went down to Arkansas, it was, it was one of those things where it was just, you know, take a, take a breath, take a step back and uh, reset. And, um, you know, when I went down there, it was a good group, easy group to get a, get along with and, and uh, mesh in with. And, uh, you know, we were winning a lot of games, so it was a lot of fun to go down there and, and play with the numerous of those guys who are going to be in the big league. So, um, you know, it was, it was definitely a negative situation for me, but a positive outcome. Justice, how much time do you think you would need to get ready for the baseball season? We've heard Rob Manfred throw out a bunch of different ideas, and I give him credit for just, you know, thinking outside the box and trying to figure out how do we how do we get in as many games as we can and, you know, how much, how much ramp-up time do we need to have in place for guys? And I know there's some concern. I've heard some players voice concerns about you know injuries and things like that with with some of these plans how much time would you say you would need if, if they told you all right the season's starting you know on this day do you need a, three weeks do you need a month how do you how do you feel about that um honestly i'm i'm staying ready uh you know i'm staying physically ready i'm i'm still throwing throwing off the mound a little bit um you know i'm just trying to stay ready and and and, and for whenever that call does come 
Um, as far as how long it'll take, uh, I have no clue. This is the first time I've ever been through anything like this, um, you know, other than the normal three-week spring training then going to the season. So um, this is new. So the, the thing for me is just to stay ready uh, physically and uh, keep my arm up to strength and uh, be ready when that call comes. And if it's three weeks, then I'll be ready to go in those three weeks of that spring training time. And if it's uh, sooner than that, then I'll be ready for that too. That was Justice Sheffield on Bob David. More recently, also recently on John Clayton, Mike Golick joining the professor. And joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline is Mike Golick from Great Radio in the Morning on ESPN with his son, Trey Wingo, and all that. And I guess the big thing to start off, because I'm sure during the course of the last couple of weeks, you've been asking everybody about it, experts and that. What do you think right now is going to be the chances of the NFL season even happening? Is there any, I know there's going to be no word right now, and there's no need to have word right now. Now, but clearly, there can't be business as normal as you look ahead. You know, you hear the NFL, I'm sure, obviously, their statement that they plan on having a full regular season. And I have no problem with them thinking that. I have no problem with anybody trying to plan for that. But as long as, and I'm sure they are, having contingencies as well. I mean, you've got to hit certain markers where you think, okay, things are going to have to start being pushed. We know we're doing the draft on time. We know there's not really going to be any OTAs. Mini camps will be next up to get canceled. So can we start training camp in time? I mean, that's, that's going to be the question. This is, John, this is one of the most fluid things that we've seen to try and work through to where you plan, but then everything, everything is what I keep saying on my show, everything's written in pencil with a huge eraser, and you get ready to start erasing and just keep moving things along. Yeah, and of course, I mean, that's that's the thing that uh, there's so many other contingencies right now that you just simply don't know. And then I guess the one concern is, and you're talking fall, and then you started talking about weather getting cooler and the chance that the, the virus comes back a second time. Well, that's the thing. I mean, all we can do, anybody outside of a doctor trying to make a hard, fast prediction, I just kind of laugh at. I mean, this is... This is why these guys go to all the years of medical school and do all the studying that they do. So, you know, it's just like when, when, you know, people have their area expertise. I mean, never more did we need to listen to people about their expertise because this is actually life and death. So, you know, I listen to the Dr. Fauci's of the world and try and get all the information from there and hope that everybody does and hope that we're past, you know, that the, the foolish, the dumb kids who went down to spring break and said, oh, nothing's happening. And I hope we're past all that foolishness that people say, not thinking this is a big deal. And amazingly enough, we can help by doing nothing. I mean, how great is that? You're asked to stay in your house a lot, don't go by other people, and basically don't do anything, and that's how we're going to get better. Man, that's right up my alley, so I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah, no question about it. And so, you know, I guess business hasn't been as normal, but it's been pretty close to normal in free agency. You know, more than 250 players have either agreed or uh, to stay with their team or go free agency. It's like that, that system has worked really well so far. It really has, and you know, and you know this as well. Anytime the NFL, or especially Roger Goodell, announces they're going to do something, normally it's meant with, with you know, disdain. You know, they're like the human punching bag because they certainly haven't handled everything the correct way, and a lot of times they don't get the benefit of the doubt, so it's always looked upon as a negative. So a lot of people thought, oh, my God, they're going to have free agency and the NFL year start on time. Oh, is that going to be bad? I didn't hear one bad thing from anybody. You know, people thought, oh, these guys are going to be signing all these big deals while we're going through this. It's going to look bad. I think people were were hungry for 
and escape. Listen, if they don't want to turn on your, your show or my show or Sports Center or whatever, that's fine. I mean, that, that's a beautiful thing about a choice. If you want to turn all of us on, we can break down these kind of things, and you can choose to listen to it. And I've been amazed. People have been soaking up all this information. Even with the draft, there are some people, why are they having the draft? Well, as long as you can do it socially responsibly, why not have the draft? You know, again, you're doing it in a safe manner, and there's, there's, there's kind of an escape for people to kind of watch something and do something. So that that's kind of, I know, been a savior for our show as well before we do top ten serials of all time, which at some point we may get to, who knows, which is a good topic anyway. But we still have a decent amount of football to talk about. It is. That is a good topic. Maybe you just even do a full bracket. I think at that point, if you're going to go breakfast cereals, I'd say Captain Crunch has got to be in the top five, right? Cheerios too, maybe. Up next on the Blitz, it's time for the hot list. No more cereal thoughts, I promise. Uh, we've got some news on Jadevian Clowney, at least some rumored news that there might be another competitor in the mix for the Seahawks. It's ahead in the blitz, in the hot list right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines studio. It's time for The Hot List. Holy mackerel. The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 645. Heck yes. What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go. Well, the latest Basketball Hall of Fame class was announced. Nine honorees for the class of 2020 this weekend who will be enshrined in Springfield, Massachusetts, birthplace of basketball, on Saturday, August 29th, 2020. Uh, the Hall of Fame Election Process Committee suspended the direct election categories for one year, with the exception of the International Committee because of everything going on currently in our world with the coronavirus pandemic. But this year's class includes honorees from the North American Committee, the Women's Committee, and International Committee. And three huge names at the top of that Hall of Fame class, including 18-time NBA All-Star, five-time NBA champion Kobe Bryant, uh, who recently passed away, and his wife, Vanessa Bryant, on her reaction to Kobe being part of the 2020 Hall of Fame class. Um, It's an incredible um, accomplishment and honor, and we're extremely proud of him. Um, Obviously, we wish that he was here with us um, to celebrate, Um, but it's definitely the peak of his NBA career and um, and every accomplishment that he had as an athlete was a stepping stone to be here. So um, we're incredibly proud of him. And um, there's some solace in knowing that he was probably going to be a part of the 2020 Hall of Fame class. 15-time NBA All-Star also included three-time NBA Finals MVP Tim Duncan. He, how does he feel about being part of this year's class? Kind of the end of the journey here. Um, it was a, 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 an incredible career that uh, I enjoyed so much. Um, to call it a dream come true is, isn't even doing any justice because I never dreamt I'd be at this point. Um, I played the game, enjoyed the game, loved what I did. Be here now to the, the guys that I'm going to be putting that in the Hall of Fame with. Just a, uh, an amazing class. Also in the class, 15-time NBA All-Star, 9-time NBA All-Defensive First Team selection, Kevin Garnett, his reaction. It's the culmination. Reese, it's the culmination, man. I, you know, you put countless hours into this. You dedicate yourself to a craft. You 
take no days off. You play through injury. You play through. You play through demise. You play through obstacles. You give no excuses for anything. You learn. You build. You know, like this is the culmination. All those hours of of everything that you've ever you know put up for for it all, man. This this is what you do it for right here. To be to, to be able to be called Hall of Famer is everything. Anything is possible. Kevin Garnett, though, uh, Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant among that class. Also, 10-time NBA All-Star, four-time Olympic gold medalist, Tamika Ketchings. And she said it means a lot to be in that Hall of Fame class along with Kobe. When we heard the news in December, you know, really for me, it was like, man, to go all the way back to the beginning where we started and both of us watching our fathers play over in Italy. And I, I can guarantee you neither one of us thought that our careers and like all the things that have happened in our life would have happened the way that they have. But in December, you know, knowing I was like, man, this is like the perfect ending to a book. And, you know, just grateful for the opportunity that our parents and our families had to spend that time in Italy. And over the years, you know, it's crazy that if you look at both of our careers, how many things overlap. Pretty cool. A new team has reportedly entered the competition to sign Jadevian Clowney. It's three weeks about into free agency and still uh, no word on where he might go, although we do know that his asking price has dropped from the original $20-21 million to the $17-18 to $18 million range. We knew that the Tennessee Titans were interested, but now, according to ESPN senior NFL reporter Jeremy Fowler, the Cleveland Browns are not only looking at signing Clowney, but they've gotten closer to Clowney's asking price, according to Fowler, than any other team, including the Seahawks. This was from a tweet from Fowler. He wrote from SportsCenter earlier, Cleveland Browns have shown interest in Jadevian Clowney, and some people around the league believe Cleveland got closer with Clowney than other suitors. Though nothing ultimately happened from recent talks, Seattle's offer hasn't been what Clowney wants. So to the Browns could be interesting. They are uh, being competitive in free agency because they have that uh, win-now mentality, also according to Fowler. Um, also, going on this weekend, there was a bit of a sports event. Um, it, it happened with the WWE. Six years after being unceremoniously released from WWE without a clear path back, Drew McIntyre was the promotion's new champion. He did it against Brock Lesnar over the weekend uh, in the main event of WrestleMania 36 on Sunday night. It was filmed or performed at the WD Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. Uh, McIntyre won the WWE Heavyweight title with the victory. WrestleMania 36 was initially planned for Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, but moved to a close set because of the outbreak. Bobby Mitchell, who was the first African-American player to sign with Washington, passed away Sunday at 84. Pro Football Hall of Fame confirmed. Mitchell began his career, his pro career, as a halfback for the Cleveland Browns in 1958. And he shared a backfield with, uh, I don't know, Jim Brown? Yeah, I'd say that's one of the most impressive offensive attacks uh, in history or in the league. During his four seasons in Cleveland, Mitchell accounted for nearly 4,000 yards from scrimmage. Uh, just under that, in 1962, the Browns traded him to Washington and moved him from halfback to flanker, showing off that he can be that dual threat. That season, he led the league in receptions and receiving yards. Uh, the following season, cut 69 passes for a league-leading over 1,400 yards, so not bad. He also tied an NFL record with a 99-yard touchdown reception against his 
former team. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1983. Michael Wilbon reflecting on the passing of Bobby Mitchell. Bobby Mitchell was that guy. He was the first black Redskin. And he's a historic figure. He's a just a brilliant man. I Again, he's become family to me, not just someone I covered. His wife, Gwen, I haven't had a chance to call her today to just express condolences and his son and daughter, who I'm friends with, Neil and Terry. It's just, it's just unthinkable. And he'd been ill for a little bit, and, you know, I'd seen him and hugged him and all of that, but it's still not. I, I, I know that people like Daryl Green and, you know, Art Monk and Joe Theismann, I know all of those people, John Riggins, people I covered and people who knew Bobby, talk about Hall of Famers. Um, his, his life and times and the travails were just extraordinary. And I, I probably need to sit down tonight and compose myself and compose something at the keyboard to try to do justice to the life and career of Bobby Mitchell. A little piece of good news. Colts owner Jim Ursay has obtained more than 10,095 masks that he plans to donate and have distributed to medical personnel. He announced on Twitter yesterday, Ursay is donating the masks to the Indiana State Department of Health so they can be distributed to hospitals most in need. The N95s are respiratory masks used to help protect doctors and nurses, the medical grade kind, working with COVID-19 patients. So uh, pretty incredible. Also, the generosity that's coming out during this time. The L.A. Rams, they announced that they would have some new logos and colors last month. And there was a lot of, I don't know, pushback on that. Kevin Demoff, the Rams' chief operating officer, he headed the project for more than two years. And he promised to read mean tweets about the new logos if a telethon hosted by the Rams and the local ABC affiliate in L.A. raised more than $2 million for coronavirus relief efforts. They raised $2.2 million, So he followed through and read some of these mean tweets which were, um, yeah, pretty scathing. Uh, They included, quote, this is actually embarrassing. Looks like some freshman college students in graphic design 101 made it in about six minutes. Um, Also, quote, if you're low on toilet paper, don't worry. You can get it now on NFL shop. Hashtag Rams logo. We're going to follow the video with a statement that uh, we value the commentary you've provided on the logo and colors. uh, While it's not always the easiest to hear. The Rams will be moving ahead with those new logos and colors despite all of the feedback. New uniforms will be revealed uh, this spring coming up. In a conference call with Major League Sports Commissioners on Saturday, President Donald Trump said he believes the NFL season should start on time in September. Trump also said he hopes to have fans back in stadiums and arenas by August and September, sources said, uh, although it is clear clear. Currently unclear, I can say this, if medical experts find that to be a realistic timeline amid all the concerns with the coronavirus pandemic. Trump didn't give an exact date to reporters uh, on when he anticipates fans being able to return to arenas. California Governor Gavin Newsom also addressed whether he believed the NFL season would open in August or September with 80,000 fans, telling reporters Saturday, I'm not anticipating that happening in this state. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said that they will follow the advice of healthcare professionals when it comes to that. We've heard now that the NFL draft will proceed virtually, but Adam Schefter saying the fate of the NFL season is still pretty much unknown. The NFL's chief medical officer addressed it this week, as did the NFLPA's medical director. And nobody knows right now. There has to be a system of testing in place before we're going back into stadiums. Maybe they could develop a vaccine at some point down the line, which doesn't sound like it's going to be at some point this season. And as much as everybody wants football to be back, it's hard to imagine it being back in front of 
huge crowds. You heard the California governor, Gavin Newsom, come out today and say he doesn't anticipate football games being played in the state of California this season. This story changes on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, often dramatically. We don't know where it's going. It's not going in a good direction right now. And it's too early to say that there will or won't be football this season. As for baseball, which didn't even uh, get their season started, Buster only on if Major League Baseball came back and someone got sick, well, that would be the worst case scenario. If baseball were to, you know, push to come back and they're talking about, you know, potentially having this quarantined areas where you, you bring together players, uh, you know, the rest of society now is uh, socially distancing. And if you were to try to do that and then somebody got sick in these parties, let's face it, it would have to involve hundreds of people who would be in this quarantine, groundskeepers and athletic trainers and players, uh, and somebody got sick, then baseball potentially could become part of the problem and develop a hot spot versus being potentially part of the solution. Also, along the way, UFC officials still hoping to finalize the location for its April 18th show in the coming days. Dana White said he would announce the full card today on Twitter. And according to ESPN, the promotion believes it's very close to securing a new venue for UFC 249, although that location, the specific location, is still unknown. That's a wrap for the hot list in the entire Blitz at 6 hour. Everyone, thinking of you out there, please stay safe and stay home if you can. It's Danny and Gallant coming your way next, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.